welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, how are we all doing? Fantastic. Well, tonight it's uh, my privilege to continue the series that we began last week called Upside Down. Everyone say, Upside Down. Fantastic. Now, it's a series about the paradoxical teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, paradox, by definition, is a statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. I'm going to give you a very deep paradox. All right, you ready for this one? This is an example of a paradox. Here we go. I want you to try and work out why it's a paradox. You ready? I always lie. Very deep, I know. Messing with your heads already. I always lie is a paradox because if it's true, then it must be false. Oh, bit too deep. Some of the young guys are going, what? Okay, I'll give you one that you can understand. It's a paradox, you know, when you get in front of your computers, which you know, it's hardly ever, right? It's a paradox that to shut your computers down, you've got to click start first. Ooh. Thank you, thank you, oldies. Just explain to them later. Maybe for you guys, it's a paradox that uh, computers are around to help us, but we spend most of our time trying to get the young ones to help us uh, with them. I, I'm, a, I'm a high school teacher, and uh, I had a classic example of a paradox this week. It was so funny. This girl in year 10 comes in very excited. They are a paradox, but it wasn't that, no. She comes into class really excited, and I just didn't get this. She comes in saying, I've got new shoes. You should see my new shoes, Mr. Vega. Oh, can I show you my new shoes? And she pulls out these shoes, and they're horrendous. The high heels are about this big. They're black, leathery, uh, with leopard spots. And I'm going, okay, if you like that sort of thing. And she's all excited. And, you know, sometimes you just got to go with it, you know. So I thought, okay, put it on if you really have to. Because I knew she was dying to. So she puts them on, and she parades, you know, and half the lesson is already wasted. But we're having a good time, you know, and she's walking with them and uh, really excited and I said to her so why did you get new shoes you know I'm expecting the you know big date and all that you know she goes oh I'm so excited I got these new shoes because it's my grandma's funeral tomorrow oh god it's exactly and that's what a paradox you go okay I think there's something in that I'm not entirely sure I didn't know how to react I've just gone okay Nice shoes. Now, let's get on with the lesson now. But somehow she was excited about her shoes and uh, not her, father, her grandma's funeral. So, anyway, so that's just another example. And uh, we've had a great definition of a paradox, which is truth standing on its head, trying to get attention. And I love that one. However, I have my own personal definition of a paradox, which I'd like to bring you tonight. And it's simply this. It's simply when someone says something or does something that makes you go, what the... That's my personal, that's how I understand what a paradox, because something happens and we go, what the heck was that about? So this series is about us looking at some of the teachings of Jesus that makes us go, what the, what the heck, what was that all about? Because he said many things that even back then made people go, what? But last week we looked at, um, Tony looked at one of the paradoxes that made people go, what the? And one of them, if you remember, was, um, who here wants to be great? You want to be great? 
Fantastic. If you want, to be, if you want greatness, then serve. What the? I don't get that. But that's what Jesus said. If you want to know what that means, uh, look it up on the MP3. Now, another one that he said was this. If you want to be first. Who here wants to be first? Yeah? If you want to be first? Right. If you want to be first, you've got to be prepared to position yourself last. What the? You can all say what the with me. Thank you. And this morning had another one, an excellent paradox that Pete did an amazing job with. And it's basically this. Foolishness is wisdom. What the? See, it works, doesn't it? Foolishness is wisdom. It's all about how God's wisdom is foolishness to the world and vice versa. And again, a fantastic message and I encourage you to listen to the MP3. I've got another what the for you tonight. Are you ready for it? Here we go. Now, I want, I want to hear you all say what the afterwards, all right? You ready? Here we go. Afterwards, you get excited. Slavery is freedom. Fantastic. I like Give yourselves a big clap. Come on. Slavery is freedom. We're going to look at the fact that Jesus said, if you want real freedom, who here wants total freedom? Yes, real freedom, then you must become a slave. What? What does that mean? And if you want real freedom, you need to follow Jesus and encounter his slavery. Now, Romans 6.18, let's turn to it, shall we? It's up on the screen. It's a very short little scripture. It just says this. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Slaves to righteousness. Now, let me explain what slaves to righteousness is not. It's very important. It is not following a set of rules and regulations. It's not, a, it's not us following all these do's and don'ts. It's about developing a relationship with Jesus. It's about falling in love with him and trusting him. It's not what society will tell you. Society will tell you that Christianity is all about rules and regulations. But Jesus says, it's about loving me. It's about trusting me. It's about walking with me. As I said, I'm a school teacher and I can tell you that society is reflected in schools and most students say to me, I'm not interested in Christianity because I don't want to lose my freedom. And I think, oh, that's just such a warped perception because of what they've heard and because of what some Christians have also said to them, that if you want to become a Christian, then you've got to start dressing like this, talking like this, being like this, acting like this, whereas it's not what it's all about. It's about a loving relationship with Jesus. We've done a bad job. And that's why we're doing this series here. Because we're going to go against what society says. Society says, Christianity, rules and regulations. Jesus says, love me, follow me. And everything else will spill over from there. So that's how we become slaves. Now, let me give you an example of what can happen. Because sometimes, like I said, we do do a bad job at telling people about Christianity. Picture this. You know, once upon a time before I was married, I was courting my wife. Right now, picture this, all right? She gets home one day and opens the door, and I've snuck in beforehand, all right? And there's this trail of rose petals. And she goes, Ooh, hello. So she starts following them, you know? And there's little love notes stuck to the walls, and she stops and reads them. And it's me declaring my everlasting love for her. Huh? So she keeps going, keeps going, take notes. She keeps walking. And the trail takes her all the way to her bedroom. And she walks in, 
And there on the bed is the biggest present, the biggest parcel, beautifully decorated. And she's just going, wow. She walks up to it. She opens the box, and there's a note. And it says, pick you up at eight. And underneath the note, there's the most beautiful dress she's ever seen in her life. And a little tiara. And around the tiara it says, I want you to be my princess tonight. Ladies, how am I doing? All right. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Eight o'clock comes. A man with a top hat. Knocks on the door. And says, your ride is here. She comes out and says this big stretch limo. And she's just like, oh, she's, she's going to be patty in my hands, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Opens the door, walks into her stretch limo, and there's romantic music, a bit of champagne, flowers everywhere, chocolate. Now, it's pretty good, eh? I bet some of you ladies were wishing that, uh, you know, your hubbies would have done something like that beforehand. <laughs> and I have to confess that my wife is probably thinking the same thing as well, because it's not true. It's... Uh, <laughs> I have to confess, she's just, she's just giving me the biggest what there of the night. <laughs> Is that me you're talking about? Did I say my, no. Um, but let's just pretend, all right? It's an illustration, all right? So just, just go with me. Go, I've lost all the ladies. <laughs> all the blokes are going, oh, thank goodness for that. <sighs> and she gets to the restaurant, and there I am in the corner with my best suit on, hair done, smelling really nicely, violins playing, and she sits down, and uh, we're about to have a beautiful romantic dinner. Just picture all that, right? And then I reach into my back pocket, and I avoid my sound thing, (laughs) and I pull out this little note, and I read to her, so glad you're here, can't wait for tonight, can't wait for the rest of our lives. However, Before we go any further, there's a few things that I want you to know. Firstly, I will decide when and where and if we go out. (laughs) And I also need you to know that if we're going to continue dating, don't ever make me wait for you to get ready when we do go out. Also, when we go out, don't wear anything too revealing, but I don't want to be seen with someone shapeless either. So be very careful. I'm not finished yet. We're getting started. Now, something else about us, if we're going to date and get married and all that, I have to be number one in your speed dial. If I get really good at number two, it's over. When we fly, I get the window seat. Never tell me to do any jobs around the house. I'll do them when and if I'm ready. When we have fast food, I'll pay. When we come to restaurants, you pay. And no more chocolate in case it goes to your waist. What? Too rude? Sorry, they're not mine. That's that's not my list either. I got that from Riley. That's his list. Uh, but, But can you imagine that? How absurd. How grotesque. Yeah? Isn't that what we do sometimes with people about Christianity? We say, come to church, come to Jesus. They walk in here, they get baptized, and suddenly it's, don't do this, don't do that. Don't go here, don't talk like this. You can't say that, don't watch that, don't read this. We give them law and law and law instead of giving them Jesus. 
We give all these all this conditions and regulations, but it's all about giving people Jesus. First, people belong. Then they believe. And then eventually, their behavior changes. Some quicker than others. Granted, yes. But let's not be like the world. Let's not do what the world says. I tell you, people's perception is that. They don't want to give their lives to Jesus because they don't want to lose their freedom. And there's nothing more warped than that. Because as we know, it's only in Jesus that we find real, true freedom. Galatians 5.1, one of my favorite scriptures, is for freedom that Jesus set us free. For total freedom. It's for freedom that we've come for him. That we may live the lives that we were meant to live. That we may be the people that we're meant to be. That we might truly be free to worship him, to honor him, to live for him, to find life and life to the fullest. It is for freedom that we've been set free. Let's not burden ourselves and let's not burden people with a yoke of slavery. That scripture goes on to say, because it is for freedom. So that's what being a slave to righteousness means. It means coming to Jesus and understanding that when he does say something to us, when he does say, look, don't do that, there are things that we shouldn't do, but they're not laws and commandments and things that, you know, if we don't do, he's not going to love us anymore. They're, they're, They're more like boundaries. They're boundaries for our lives. And if you know anything about boundaries, they're there for our safety and our protection. And that's what they are. And that's how we should see them. And that's the second part of this scripture. I've told you what being a slave to Jesus is, isn't. This is what being a slave to him is. It's simply accepting his boundaries. Just understanding that his boundaries will keep us safe. It's for our best. It's for our, our own good. Just like a good father gives good boundaries to his children, and he says, if you do this, this will happen, and if you do that, that will happen. That's what God has done. I remember, I think it was Tony a long time ago. I love the way he explained the Bible. He summed it up. Look, it's not a book of rules and regulations, and I'm going to paraphrase him because I love this. He said, it's a book of choices. It's a book of choices. He simply says, live life like this, and this will happen. And there'll be blessing, there'll be joy, there'll be peace, there'll be productivity. But you live life this way, and this is what's going to happen. There'll be consequences for your life. Now you choose. I still love you, I still accept you, you're my son, you're my daughter. It's up to you. Why can't we be the same? The way that we deal with each other, and the way that we talk to people. And when they come into this place, what they need, to, what they need is Jesus, but what they need is a sense of belonging. And then in time, as they grow and develop, things that need to uh, be chipped away will eventually be chipped away. So we need to understand that boundaries are good. And God has set those boundaries. And if we want to find real freedom, we need to, in a way, enslave ourselves. And now, this scripture, when it says enslave ourselves, the context of that is simply offering yourself. When you offer yourself into those boundaries and you accept them, then you can find real freedom. Like, I, I have boundaries. I love my children, but I have boundaries for them, for their safety and their protection. One of the most important, I've got four, four children, is it four? Yeah, four children under the age of six, and I tell you, this is one of the most important boundaries that I've laid out for them, that you're not allowed to kill each other. <laughs> I've had to set that boundary, because they argue, they, they bicker, they moan, and I tell you, if we let them go, they would literally kill each other. We would be childless by now. 
And like with three girls and one boy, you can just imagine the dynamics. I tell you, sometimes it's just warfare in our house. Now, I often say to my wife, say, look, just let them argue. Let them, let them sort it out. They'll sort it out, but we'll, we'll always keep an ear out. And when it's about to become physical, as it very often does, then we step in. That's our boundary because we love them and we don't want them to kill each other. But it's there for their protection. It's there for their safety. I have another bound, very important boundary. I don't let my children walk away with strangers. Call me a bad dad. But it's a boundary. I'm very strict with that. I will kill and die for that boundary. Jesus is exactly the same with us. He has given us boundaries for our safety and for our protection. He says, look, do this, and this is going to work out better for you. But you do this, and it won't. Now, just let me illustrate what I'm talking about with the things that God has asked us to do um, by way of just, I want to introduce a friend of mine on the, uh, to the stage tonight. Just, uh, it's uh, all, the way from, uh, all the way from South Africa. So, Richie, uh, Richie Benno, when he was young, go on, give him a big clap. And a bit hairier. Thanks for joining us tonight. No, you're right, mate. You're right. Excellent. How's that? eh? First time on a Sunday night, not just playing, but also almost preaching. There you go. All right. Point number three. Go for it. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say I was going to do that. All right. Give JT money. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now, come here. I want you to stand here. Now, you're a cricketer, obviously, and uh, you know a lot about cricket. Now, explain to me. Let me see your shoes at the bottom there. Why are they shaped like that? that? What's that all about? Uh, well, playing on a grass pitch, uh, you'll slide everywhere if you don't have spikes and whatever those moulds are in, in your shoes, so it's just to give me grip when I bowl them back. Okay, fair enough. And what about these things here? That look really weird. What's it all about? Uh, that's to protect my legs from a cricket ball coming at 150 k's, and it's not nice when it hits you in the, in the ankles. Ah, oh, fair enough. Okay. And have you got anything else? Okay, what's this for? What does that do? This is for... <laughs> easy, easy. What does this do? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're not wearing one. Sorry, stand up. <laughs> this is for, um, I have really skinny legs and I don't, I don't want my legs to get bruised. <laughs> so just put a little bit of a thigh pad on there. Right, fair enough. And these things over here, what do they do? What are... uh, yeah, if I didn't wear gloves, it's going to be hard to text on Facebook and, you know. Fair enough, L- lovely. Fingers, need my fingers. Now, you, look, you do look better like this, so Sorry. let's uh, put it back on. Now, okay. what does that do for you? Look, I, I feel really blessed with what God's given me, and I'm just protecting that because I don't want to get all mashed up. Fantastic. Now, this is what a normal cricketer will wear on a 45-degree day. Now, if you were going to wear, walk outside on 45 degrees and run around all day, this looks really constraining. This looks really weird. This is hot. This is uncomfortable. However, absolutely vital. Absolutely vital for his safety, absolutely vital for his effectiveness as well. Thank you, JT. You might you leave the stage. Give him a big clap. Very often, the boundaries that Jesus will give us will feel uncomfortable, will feel sweaty, will hurt. We will be thinking, but Jesus, how, just like he may think, how am I supposed to run all day long in 50 degree heat, wearing all this? Sometimes you may think, but Lord, how am I meant to get through life when everybody else is doing this? 
Why are you making me? I feel restrained. I feel constrained. This feels uncomfortable. This isn't natural. This is weird. Why do I have to do this? And God is up there going, because I love you for your protection, for your future, for your safety, because I love you. Remember that. Remember that. Whatever it feels like that, whatever it feels like, I just, this is just not right. Of course it's not right. As humans, we've got our, our own desires. We have our own dreams. We, ha- we have our own ambitions, our own inclinations. And they're very different to what God would have for us. So just remember that next time you feel God has given you a boundary, God has said to you, this far and no more, for whatever it may be, just remember, he's done it for a reason. He's done it for your safety, for your protection, because he wants to prosper you and because he wants to bless you. Now, there, there are many ways to look at God's boundaries and understand that they do lead us to, to, to absolute freedom. But I just want to talk about a few things that I think are going to help us to, to accept his boundaries. I said that being able to, being slaved into his righteousness is to be able to accept and give ourselves over to his precepts and to his freedom. Now, here's probably what I think is the most important one. And the one that I really, really want you to go away with. And starts with simply just changing the way that we think. Starts with changing our perception. Changing the way that we look at the word of God. Changing the way that we see whatever God has given us. I mean, there are things in my life that God has placed boundaries. It's not just for young people. I tell you, there are desires in my heart that I know are godly, and I know that there are dreams that God has placed in my heart, but God is saying, not now. Not now. And I tell you, I'm impatient, and I'm faithless sometimes, and I'm doubtful, and I cry out to God, but I I hear God saying, it's for your own good. I have the perfect time and place for you. And I tell you, I just have to remember that as uncomfortable and as weird and as strange as it may look and feel and seem, I have to remember and I have to change my thinking and realize that as I am a father to my, child, to my children, God is a father to me and he knows what's best. That is for my safety and for my protection. Now, we just got to change the way that we think. It's going to be personal right now. I don't want you to call anything out, but I want you to do a little bit of thinking. I want you to think right now of a boundary that you know God has given you. Something that he's saying to you, not now, or not ever, or just simply no. I'm sure that we all have them. Something that you may desperately feel like you deserve, that you want, or that you need, but you know in your heart, that's where it starts, that God is saying no. You know that the word of God is also saying to you no. You know that your good friends, the friends that love you and speak truth into your life, are also saying that's not what's good for you. Think about that boundary right now. And just change your thinking about it. Don't see it as God trying to rain on your parade. Don't think it's God trying to ruin your fun and your joy and rob you of your freedom. Because that's what society is saying. 
But God is saying, no, I have given you this choice because I want to protect you and love you. And there is much, much better for you. I have the best in mind for you. Just change the way you think. Now, with, with whatever boundaries in your mind right now, just possibly think, change the way you think about it. And just, just think for yourself, ask yourself certain questions. Ask yourselves, why? Why is a great question to ask. Ask yourselves, okay, God, you have said no. You have said this far and no further. Just ask yourselves, why? Why is God saying that to you? And you'll feel the answer. You'll know the answer. My Bible tells me that God's will is always perfect, always good, and always pleasing. So remember that. Remember that. Think about it. When you ask why, remember, just go back to what the Word of God says and understand that that is the foundation of His will for you. Always good for you. Always perfect for you. And always pleasing ultimately for you. That's what my Bible tells me. So when you, when you think of those boundaries, just ask yourselves, why? Why is God doing this to me? Why is He, why is he wanting me? to not step over this line. I, I, I once was in the Army Reserves. <laughs> I know, it was funny. It was, that was a paradox in itself, absolutely. I, I was pathetic. I, last, I didn't even make, uh, last to basic training. I was at LA Uni, and a few of my mates thought it'd be fun to play with toys. And um, I was like, okay, let's join. And so we joined up. And I never listened. I'm a pathetic soldier. I'm not that way inclined. I'm a lover, not a fighter. My wife will tell you that. And, uh, and anyway, so I'm just like not listening to the drill, so I'm not listening to anything. We go out on camp one weekend. I can't wait to blow things up and muck around. And, um, and so we've, we've had this drill where we have to uh, clear our magazines really quickly in case uh, the, the situation uh, called for it. I don't even know why still now. But anyway, we just had this situation where we had to clean our magazines. And um, I'm there, you know, doing the exercises, and the drill sergeant comes and says, right, everyone, line up. And we have to clean our magazines. That means not having any bullets left in there. Right? And then when we do that, I, th I thought I did it. I thought there wasn't any bullets left in my magazine. And when you think that it's all okay, you stand in line right, with a whole platoon. And to show that there's no bullets in your, in your rifle before you hand them back, you've got to step forward, aim in the air, and fire. And you... So what you do is, is you go, clear, click, okay, theoretically. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the line. My other mates, they step up, clear, click, right, clear, click, clear, click. I come up, <laughs> Jesus, this is so stupid, clear, bang! <laughs> it's like, I'm on the floor, it's like, oh. My pay was docked. They took away my sleeping gear. I had to sleep on the floor. I was punished. My drill, so he just went, out, went off at me, made an example of me, and there ended my army career. And, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. I'm so sorry. But I understood something about boundaries there and then. I understood the reason why. I understood that sometimes you need to understand. We need to get before God and say, God, okay. Tell me why you're asking this of me. I should have done that when we were being taught about clearing the magazine. I should have done that because I would have then realized the importance of it because that's how soldiers die in wars. 
by accident, accidental shootings. I, I would have understood so many things that it would have made me at that time go, okay, this is important, and I don't want to lose my pay for the weekend, and I don't want to lose my sleeping uh, rights either, so I'm going to pay attention. Ask yourselves why. There's always a reason. doesn't matter how foolish you may think God is by asking you to do certain things. Just like I thought it was stupid to have to practice cleaning a magazine full of bullets over and over again. One time we spent two hours doing it and we had to try and do it quicker and quicker and quicker. And I thought that was the biggest waste of time. But eventually I paid for it. By not clearing a problem, making an idiot of myself and being punished. Just stop. Stop and say, okay, God, I trust you. I trust that your will is perfect, is good, is pleasing. And maybe, and maybe there's a reason for it. So just change your thinking and ask yourselves why. Something else that you could do is consider the cost. Consider the cost of your decisions. There's always a consequence for whatever you say. And whatever you do, there's going to be a cost. What may those consequences be? Don't worry about the fact that it might feel good for a few moments or for a, uh, for, for a time. Just That's fine. But just overlook that and say, okay, what is the ultimate outcome of this decision? What are going to be the ultimate consequences of what I'm doing, of what I've chosen to do? God is saying no, but I'm saying yes. Okay, what's going to happen? What harm is it going to bring you? If his boundaries are for your safety and for your protection, and you believe that because God loves you and you think it's good, then surely, surely there must be a cost to you breaching his boundaries. Surely there must be a cost, and surely that cost is nothing but harmful. If anything outside his will is not pleasing, surely it has to be harmful for yourself. So just consider, consider why, and consider the ultimate cost of your decisions. Very, very important. I love being a dad. It's, it's my, my second favorite job in the world. But first is being husband to my wife. I love being a dad. And I've, I've, um, I've, we're just entering this sweet stage now as a, as a dad. My, my son's uh, almost seven years old. And um, I've gone from being this big, bad disciplinarian that, you know, that I has to punish him all the time. Now, when I speak to him and I say to him, don't do this, don't do that, one of the most annoying stages that any father goes through has just stopped, has begun to stop. And that's the why. Why? Look, don't smash your sister's head through the window. Why? Don't leave this in the bath. Why? Don't pick up my razor blade. Why? 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 Parents, you know what it's like. You guys probably remember asking why every five seconds. Man, I, we're almost over that stage. We're getting to the, the stage where my son trusts me a little bit more. He, he doesn't think I'm an idiot as much anymore. He thinks that I, you know, I, do, I, am, you know, I have proven to be reliable with him. You know, so now it's just so sweet. I say to him, and he just goes to me, oh, okay. So don't do that. Oh, okay. Don't say that. You know, that's not a helpful thing to say. He'll just go, oh, yeah, okay. And he'll just walk off. And the wires have stopped. Oh, Thank goodness for that. The rebellion has stopped. He's, he's now realizing, well, maybe, maybe dad, maybe dad's got some kind of wisdom behind him. And wouldn't it be great if we got to that point as well with God, where we just, maybe if we, if we don't get an answer to why, maybe we just can't see, you know, it's great to seek understanding and to seek why, but if, maybe if we can't, maybe just, just have faith. Just, just come to him like a child. Seriously, you will please your father. 
My, my son pleases me no end when I say to him, don't, and he just says, okay. That is sweet. As a, that's just beautiful. That's just, that just feels awesome. I'm telling you, your heavenly father will also be pleased. And I know you want to please him. I know you want him to feel awesome about you as well. So whenever he, he draws a boundary for you, just maybe, maybe you say, okay, you know better. And this is a big one. Something else in changing our thinking to find real freedom is, I've, I've, talk, I've talked about considering why, perhaps. Maybe considering the cost of us stepping over his, his boundaries. But I think this is, this is vital, especially if we, if we do know him and claim to be Christians, is consider his glory. Consider his glory. Ask yourselves, is what I'm going to do going to give glory to God? Ultimately, that's why we believe. That, that's why we exist. That's why we've been saved. That's why God has redeemed us and freed us. Yes, we're now free. Yes, we're now saved. Yes, we've been blessed. Yes, we've been lavished by his grace. But surely, surely now, it's also to bring him glory. That we may reveal a loving God, a kind God, a righteous God, a merciful God to a lost and dying world. Now, we can ask ourselves, if I step over this boundary, is this going to give God, the glory. That's a crucial, crucial question to ask ourselves. One of the most classic boundaries that God has given us is in the area of forgiveness. And we question forgiveness and we say, it's too hard. You don't know what they've done for me. Yes, we've all got a story. We've all been hurt. But I tell you, when we step over that boundary, nothing but harm comes our way. We need to get before God and say, God, You've forgiven me. You've asked me to forgive as you have forgiven me. And because that brings you glory, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow that. So ask yourselves, is what I'm going to do give glory to the one who loved me and rescued me and saved me? I love Paul. Paul is a man who wrote um, a, a large part of the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament. And uh, there's this scripture that he, when he talks about how you know, there's been some sort of... Um, you know, talk about people who are preaching and uh, whether their motives are right or not. You may remember the, the, the story. And uh, Paul's reaction is simply this. Look, I don't care with what motives people are preaching Jesus. So he doesn't get involved in the bickering and the gossiping. I love this example. And I love what, what he goes on to say. He goes, look, I don't care whether people are preaching Jesus with good motives, right motives, good theology, bad theology, good style, bad style. What I care about is that Jesus is preached. Here's a man sold out for God's glory. Didn't get involved in what the world gets involved in. He just said, no, look, Jesus is being preached. Whatever. If they're not preaching right theology, God will, will help him out. And if it's not the right style, whatever. But Jesus is being preached. There he is in jail, in shackles, in jail, dying. He's got no family, no wife, no children, no friends, absolutely deserted. And as we read his account in the book of Philippians, what does he do? He rejoices. He's in jail, being whipped, and he rejoices. And why does he rejoice? Because God is getting the glory for his whips. Because God is getting the glory for his chains. As he's chained up in jail, he says, this is awesome. This is great. Because while I'm here, while I'm shackled, and while I'm in jail, I can preach the gospel here in jail. 
This is great. And God gets the glory. And as I am here, shackled and in jail, people out there are getting motivated. They're stepping out of their comfort zones. And now they're preaching the gospel. And now the gospel is advancing. And glory to God, because that's why we're here. Not for ourselves, but to give God the glory. So God be praised. Come on, whip me again. I don't care. Actually, when you finish whipping me, I'll tell you more about the love of God. Man, that's someone sold out. That's just awesome. That's someone who lived and existed for the glory of God. His boundaries are for our good and ultimately for His glory. So just change your thinking. Just change your thinking. And when you've asked yourself these questions, really there's only one ultimate way that you can find freedom. And it's as simple as this. Ready? Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. Yes, and when we get saved, we get involved in churches, programs, ideas, thoughts, people. But at the end of the day, if you want to find real freedom, enslave yourself. Give yourself over to Jesus. Give yourself to the one who says, there is no condemnation for those who are in me. Give yourself to the one who says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Give yourself to Jesus. Come to him. Speak to him. Confess to him. Seek him. Come to the one who says, look, you will know the truth if you come to me. And that truth is going to set you free. Understand my truth. At the end of the day, yes, I, I'd love you to just to change your thinking with God's boundaries. I'd love you just to spend time just questioning and asking. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your relationship with Jesus. Like I said, the world says, Christianity? I don't, what, what, what am I there for? I'm going to be robbed of my freedom. Jesus says, come to me and I will really, really, truly set you free. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.